Hello and welcome to the UK Apologetics Library online podcast. Today we're going to look at the social gospel and seeker-friendly Christians, a mandate that is hostile to Christ and the scriptures. Within 10 years, the moving trends of progressive evangelicalism is now widely accepted in the churches. Among many who are now, now lukewarm, the authority of scriptures have been rejected in favour of traditions that are wrapped around good works. In doing so, this is rejecting the Apostle Paul's centralised approach for the church to only submit to the gospel and its witness of it, according to Romans chapter 1, verse 16. You may ask, um, what do you mean by progressive evangelicalism or what we call progressive evangelicals? Um, what we mean by from the term progressive means that uh, the way the churches are being con- operated, the way they conduct themselves, we used to hold on towards what's called orthodox conservative beliefs. And we're moving away from that because a lot of people are uh, of the objective view that we have to be seen to be doing something. Um, as long as we don't offend people, we don't give the gospel. And you know, what they're saying is, don't say anything that may put yourself in, this, in a position where you would contradict people's other beliefs. But this is um, not uh, correct in the way that they're approaching in terms of their witness. Um, because even though on its own the gospel is provocative, it provokes people, people get angry and upset. Um, that's just normal, it's part of the course. Um, it's not that we're to go out and provoke people intentionally by um, you know, targeting specific groups. For example, it is good and right and just to approach Catholics with concerns to their uh, relationship to God and their salvation um, in challenging them with their, their own teachings. But that's not... Um, provoking them into bitterness or showing that we hate them, but rather we love them to show them the truth of their error. Whilst many uh, are saying that we need to accept cultural mandates to be attractive to the unbelieving world, we get cities and communities to love them. Unless they delude themselves, believing that through works, This results in an openness to present Jesus Christ. By saying that the world is different today, it only reinforces what the Roman Catholic Church has been trying to, (laughs) excuse me, (coughs) has been trying to do for um, over 800 years. This was to undermine aspects of what we believe is sola fide, justification by faith alone, and sola scriptura. And it's to be rejected. And what do we mean by sola scriptura? We've got sola scriptura means by the authority of scripture alone. That we apply ourselves under the uh, instructions that we are given. By saying that the way the scriptures are understand, understood back then is different from today. We are removing ourselves from centuries of wisdom 
that enforces the view that it's wrong to be against same-sex marriage. Also the view that the church should be loving and understanding enough to start thinking like the people of today. This is for the total acceptance and tolerance for the depravity of sin and the rejection of scriptural authority. In one phrase, we call this deep religious humanism. The focus on man and the whole um, belief is that um, you know people have value in them. The God looks within the goodness in man, but that's a humanistic uh, way of looking at um, who God is as a person, which is quite hostile. Now, it is taught, um, for example, in one phrase, um, we we are to uh, focus on this, this uh, all that God had created. We are his children, born with good, both good and evil. So it rejects the teaching of original sin, that we are born through the seed of one man into corruption, and so our natural desire is to live in rebellion to God. Um, so we look at what Romans, Romans chapter 3 says. When we focus on the gospel, um, then it is contrary to this view that we need to be centralised on human nature. It is taught by the Roman Catholic Church that through social means, we can bring people to salvation through the church. Hence the term, extra ecclesium nala salis. That is an old lie. In, in Latin, it translates to outside the church. There is no salvation. This is being applied in the minds of progressive evangelicals, Pentecostals, Charismatics, and Protestant churches. This can only be achieved by applying cultural change, a <coughs> mandate within all of Christendom. The Vatican II, Vatican II Council stipulates, um, and you can read this on the Vatican's website, but they, they say, the church may really be the sign of solidarity, which is the family of nations' desires. It should show in its own greater life cooperation between the churches of rich and poor regions through spiritual communication and division of human and material resources. Now, what the evangelical church is not getting is that every day, People claim to be Christians have been taught that they are not to be focused on scriptures by studying them. Rather, the orientation is on works and spiritual experience. If they can enable them to do so, they become ignorant in the knowledge of scriptures by watering it down. They achieve their objective to be focused and centred on doing good works. And what we see as a result of this is a rise in women teachers which is a product of feminism, a rise in objective thinking rather than subjective thinking as promoted by liberals and those who hold to socialism, an emphasis on good works that has become the result of ecumenism, 
or new ecumenism, etc. This is driving those non-Catholics to become Rome's lackeys, by me, by, which means servants. You know, you become a lackey of someone else. You serve that person. So they, they, you know, they're coming, become servants and agents of the Catholic Church. The very words that are spoken clearly makes them knowingly, unknowingly agents of Rome. The same use words used by the Vatican to promote the idea that it's not the individual Christian, but the church collectively that is responsible for social initiatives. That through the church, they would be attracted to the gospel and to salvation. This is rejecting the scriptural mandate for the preaching of the gospel alone is necessary for salvation. But it's also the root of salvation. And when we look at what the Bible teaches, this about the last days, we would know that the Bible teaches concerning the faith, which is contrary to the modernist and libertarian views. It is often uh, read, when you read scriptures, you, you often read it, and one of the references used is in, <coughs> excuse me, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 to 9. It says this, verse 1, and I'll read to verse 9. This know also that in the last time, days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemous, disobedient to parents, unthankful and holy without natural affection, truth breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, Loves of pleasure more than loves of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. For these are the sorts that creep into houses and lead captive silly women, laid, led away by diverse lusts, ever learning, never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as Janus and Jambres with stood Moses, and that's in verse 8, I'm going to, um, I want to at this point emphasise on this sentence it says so do these also resist the truth men of corrupt minds reprobate concern the faith that is word for word in that one set phrase what you would describe a roman catholic or the priest because they do resist the truth they are men of corrupt minds and they reprobate concerning the faith now in verse 9 it says but they shall proceed no further for their folly shall be manifest unto all men, as theirs also was. Now the reason for cultural and social program is because of the fear of the rejection of Christ. As a result, they state, if we give any confrontational approach to the way we represent Christ, they won't come to our churches. And that's what boils down to. Um, trying to get the numbers up and trying to build a church where we can have all these unbelievers come have fellowship with us. But the Bible calls this folly. As a result, we see we see what's going on as a result of this. The Bible teaches that a time will come when men will no longer fear God and will be more open to their rebellion. Now the problem is many Christians are put up with or even legitimizing sinful pursuits by going along with the world's adverse wisdom and has resulted in folly. 
The point is, you could spend thousands of our British pounds and even spread the idea throughout Europe by sending thousands of euro dollars promoting what is called the social gospel. This is what they called showing love in words and actions by charitable acts, resulting in the believer coming to the churches. The outcome of this is that they remain the willful rebellion toward God because his approach takes the appeasement to the flesh or the appeasement of the flesh resulting in the world turning to religion rather than a real relationship with Jesus Christ because sin is not openly confronted. The whole um, shift in the cultural trends in the Christian camp has always been part of Rome's agenda to remove any separation between evangelicals and the Church of Rome. This results in the evangelical being hostile to the gospel itself. Rome, already in part, um, is the mystery of iniquity. She being Rome go by another name, and her name is Mystery Babylon. Rome states, another quote from uh, the Vatican Collection, and that's on page 707. It says, together with the Second Vatican Council, we highly commend cooperation with our separate Christian brethren for the promotion of justice in the world. And then they say this, for bringing about development of people, for establishing peace. What's the book of Revelation tell us? It's exactly what the Antichrist will do. Now in Revelation 6.2, it teaches that the Antichrist will be a man of peace. Rome is promoting the idea that many evangelicals fall into the acceptance of this philosophy of peace and good works, making Christianity centralised on man's works, that place before Christ's redemptive sacrifice. Rome never takes into account that as they teach people should only, um, should only trust in the works contained within the sacraments and not in his redemptive sacrifice. Rome teaches that to have any distinct doctrine, such as the assurance of God's forgiveness, only through a one -time, its one-time sacrifice that is contrary to its own dogmas and doctrines. This is to, this, to put this aside and to look at our differences. It's not only to avoid being discriminatory, but Rome what says to reject what they say is a direct rejection of the gospel and for the gospel to be represented, we have to communicate and fully co uh, cooperate in compliance with the papacy. This is um, another source from one of the Vatican writings. Um, it says, The source of our common efforts against discrimination on the grounds of our differences of religion, race and culture and the like. Collaboration that stands to our study of the teaching of the gospel in as far as to the source of inspiration for Christian activity. And then they say, let the separatist, uh, sorry, let the secretariat for promoting Christian unity on the Pontifical Commission for Justice and Peace. And then it says, devote themselves in common council to developing effectively this ecumenical collaboration. The gospel does not involve any collaboration. 
nor does it lead us into accepting another gospel that's promoted by Catholic theology. The gospel inspires us to commit to a Christian to Christian activity in as much as it agrees and is under the authority of scripture and not for the unity of religions. The gospel promotes the idea of separation from the world and all that is false and promotes the true unity of like-minded believers. Now this does not include the papacy or its philosophies that has amalgamated human reasoning beyond the foundations of worldly wisdom. Sorry, human reasonings which are based on the foundations of worldly wisdom. That does not come from God. It has attempted to change the nature of the gospel and has a direct assault on the foundations that the gospel is built upon. In practice, Rome has always rejected the authority of scriptures. Rome confounds in its own condemnation for its promotion and support of the so-called theory of evolution. The Apostle Paul in Romans 1 teaches us that the world has a creator and that the gospel's foundations begins in Genesis chapter 1. And John 1 chapter 1 teaches it was Christ who created the heavens and the earth. Now why would it be safe to assume because there are good Catholics who claim to love the Lord, then this makes them born again, or safe for that matter. The question is, do Catholics base their faith upon the authority of scripture alone? If the answer is no, and if that, if that is the case, we would consider Catholics to be true believers based on their good nature. We almost so, we also must apply this to other groups which include Mormons, Greek Orthodox, Russian Orthodox, Seventh Adventists, etc., who all claim to have Christ. So, Rome's attempts to change the evangelical mindset have been orientated around works, and this can be achieved by adapting social interests by masking its agenda under what is titled the Gospel. Faith is exchanged um, for works that centralised around influencing the individual. Rome place value, places value upon man in its ecumenical agenda and is not focused on Christ, who is described in the Bible. The term used by evangelical churches today turns Christians into progressive evangelicals. These, term, these terms include mission, missional or social action under the umbrella of hope as we've seen promoted by many groups like more than gold many including franklin grain all have this aspect of the message of hope to promote social reforms this is not giving recognition to the gospel alone that transforms lives but rather human effort through the gospel that's used to transform society. This does not recognise the essence of what Christ did, because Romans 3 teaches us there is none good. God is saying that man cannot do any good thing, and he is dependent on the work that God does that is manifest, manifestly known by faith. 
in itself provokes us to do what's right, loving what is good and hating what is evil. The view of the social gospel <coughs> is attractive for the progressive Christians who are moving to push for a political socialistic agenda in achieving a theocracy. Another term for this is kingdom building. Setting up the king of God on earth to a throne government, the principles that are promoted here have no foundation in scriptures. So we have um, <coughs> a statement by Jim Willis, and it's not an endorsement, but this is what it says. Christians across the theological and political spectrum believe that social justice is central to the teachings of biblical at the heart of biblical faith. Actually, not only is there no consensus on the issue, but in fact, Jesus do not speak of such a concept as it is understood today. And so what do we have? We have um, people moving away from the foundations, looking to uh, what other people do as a charitable act. And it's not, um, it's not a grey, it's, it's just... Uh, putting uh, a lot of Christians at risk. Um, and the problem is they're so insular and within themselves, looking to their own lives and looking at what they can do rather than uh, you know, going out there, speaking to people because it can be provocative and people can get offended. But the truth is people will get offended. Further, Jesus said that there would be false teachers coming his name. Paul arguing for strict traditionalism. Seal future Christians against heresy by writing, Therefore, brethren, stand fast. Hold to the traditions which you have been taught. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 15. Well, there are many... Uh, well, any Christians can agree that the first Christians held to all things in common and virtually forbade owning any personal property, we find no mention of a theocracy that should be established by Christians to enforce this socialism on others. And those who insist that Christian socialism must be enforced by political means are in fact endorsing a form of theocracy that is not less rigid than that of Muslim countries. Further, Paul forbade welfare as we practice it today with the words uh, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 verse 10. It says, For even when we were with you, this we command you, that if any would not work, neither should they eat. Whilst Willis and his followers, as well as many of the Christian leaders, both Protestant and Catholic, including priests, um, especially those that others witnessed in Panama, they insist that the story of the fishes and the loaves is all about rich sharing with the poor. Jesus was very short with those of his day, who often sought to increase material gain to receive welfare-style handouts, making it clear that he had come not to feed the poor, the physical bread, but rather feed the poor in spirit, his spiritual bread. Elsewhere it's clear 
that Jesus does want Christians to share the sustenance with the less fortunate, but not by enforcing political sharing system through taxation, as men like Willis endorses. Now, according to the book, The Socialist Phenomena, the dissident USSR Academy of Sciences, which you can read this on the internet, with such radical socialism is heresy that was spread throughout the 13th and 14th centuries in Europe, and even early in Persia, where there was the first socialist state that was set up. This failed enormously. It shows us that the first European socialists were heretics. Some were quite violent and murderous. Now, if you see the chapter of Socialism of the Heresies, starts on page 18, it says that the, uh, um, for example, they took uh, over large regions around Prague and later in other countries, plundering and burning churches and brutally murdered uh, priests and peasants who refused to go along with their policies. Like other socialist heretics, they held everything in common. But the possessions they held in common were mostly the fruits of other poor labour labourers, including gold, silver, and item, uh, other items stolen from churches. They were more anarchists than Christians. Now, if we consider the behaviour of the early socialists, the behaviour of the French revolutionaries, and in fact, the socialist phenomena. It's like old Soviets; they make. No distinction between socialism and communism that killed a hundred million in place a uh, hundred million in the places that it was practiced in the twentieth century. It should be clear that uh, American and British Christians who lean to the left are playing with fire. Instead of going along with the mindset of the progressive evangelicals, we should follow the advice that's set by the set by the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah sixteen sixteen. sorry, Jeremiah chapter 6 verse 16 says, Thus says the Lord, stand in the ways and see and ask for the old paths which are good, the good way, and walk therein, and you shall find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk therein. This view and support for the social gospel is doing the opposite to what they claim. And at the end of it can only lead to a path that takes away from knowing Christ really is. Those people that say, oh, you've got to use wisdom and be careful what you say to others and not give, uh, not talk solely about the Bible because some people may get offended. So what, what we're to say is this, that I think people like John Bunning owe us an apology. Now, if he didn't offend people in the streets so he didn't break the law then he would not be arrested and he would not lose uh, lose out on you know um, missing his children his wife and then if you look at people like Stephen who was the first martyr maybe he should have been very nice to the scribes and Pharisees he wouldn't have been stoned to death for heresy um, there are plenty of examples where people often did uh, unsavory things and said things that weren't commonly accepted, but they were also always seen as revilers and lawbreakers and troublemakers and um, they weren't necessarily criticised for what they believed, it was more 
what they were doing and how they did it. And that was men like John Bunyan. Um, so, you know, having a book like Pilgrim's Progress wouldn't really do you that much good. But if we were to look at biblically, those who stood for Christ, you saw the way the prophet Jeremiah was treated, the apostles and so on. Um, the Bible says clearly that they will persecute you, but don't worry because they persecute the prophets that were before you. Anyway, I just want to say God bless you for listening to this uh, broadcast, and I do hope to do more in the future.